Two geeks, two beers, and a laptop. Episode 18, X-Men, the animated series. Hello, uh, welcome back to an all-new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers and a Laptop with me, Morgan, and Tom. Hello! <laughs> uh, well, uh, the Two Geeks are here. Mm-hmm. We have our beers. We do. Which are, Tom? Um, Guinness, purely because it had XX written on the Guinness name. XX, yeah. because we are uh, doing today a special X-Men episode. This is something I wanted to do. Um, now, specifically, I'm going to be talking about my childhood experience of X-Men because uh, often in our episodes you've mentioned how much you loved it I love I love X-Men I love I love Marvel I'm yeah. definitely a Marvel boy over DC um, even before Marvel just schooled them at the cinema <laughs> um, just just make your movies and your TV shows link up in one universe it's, <laughs> why do why have two flashes exactly. it makes no sense exactly. anyway That's I've always been I've always been I've always been a Marvel boy from youth but obviously the X-Men comics have been running for over 50 years there's like hundreds of different uh, titles, and that's then you've got the spin-off cartoons and, and the movies and the books. You could literally make just an entire series of podcasts about X-Men if yeah. you want, if you wanted to. So this will be a, a very kind of specific uh, glance into the whole universe. Possibly uh, we might tackle some of the things that we don't feature here in, a, in, a, in another episode. Yeah, we might look at uh, you know the X-Men movies yeah. or, or something like that. You've never been that bold about films, have you? No, I do like. No, I love the films because I remember when X Men came out in two thousand. Mm. That was the first. It was the first of the modern superhero yeah. movies, yeah. and up until that point, superhero movies had been absolute toss. It had yeah. been like Steel with Shaquille O'Neal, which I actually quite like, but <laughs> but it's it, but it's dreadful. With a will of iron, a heart of gold, and a body of steel. It's hammer time. Shaquille O'Neal. Ready, go. The Bad Cave. Steel. Man, I could be robbing. You wanna know what you can do to help? What? Anything. Don't tell grandma. And like um the, the Phantom with Billy Zane, as we yeah. discussed before, they were dreadful and Batman no one and, and the the terrible Joe Schumacher Batman movies. Yeah. Allow me to break the ice. No one was making an effort. No. They just they just like tossed them off and, it, and they were terrible. X-Men was the first one where people had put an effort and treated it like a proper movie. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. And I, remember I went to the cinema and I was so excited and I loved that movie. So I, even though that's actually... It doesn't stand up that well, the first X-Men movie. I love it nah, because of the experience. Two, two is yeah. spectacular. One's okay. But Three. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> moving on, moving on from X Men: The Last Stand. So, I, you know, I, I know I do like the movies. The reason you're saying that is because I haven't watched Days of Future Past yeah. yet, which I know is bad. It's because I want to do an X Men marathon, um, and I haven't got around to watching 
one through three right. plus first class. I've got to say, what class. I like about the X Men franchise, right. instead of just doing a simple reboot like they've done with Spider Man, but they've incorporated the time travel. Yeah, it's really clever. Mm. So they can keep it fresh. They can get new actors in, but but you know, keep it within the same universe. Yeah, it's great. Eventually, they're going to have to pack it in, though. Yeah, Brian Brian Singer is going to have to step back. I think I think after this next one, they should do an actual reboot because yeah. you know Hugh Jackman's going to give up playing Wolverine. You yeah. can't really have anyone else. Well, can't they just give it a rest for like ten years and then do it again? Yeah, they'll definitely do that. Like the <sighs> same. Yeah, Marvel, who makes Spider-Man movies oh, with a different actor every two years. Spider-Man. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, how this is the sort of thing we're going to be ranting about probably in a future episode. But this episode is more about how I uh, got onto got into X-Men because I have a very specific memory of the first time I watched X-Men the Animated Series. Um, apparently it launched October 1992 on Fox Kids. That long ago? Yeah, um. on Fox Kids in America. Uh, I couldn't find the UK air date, but right. I, I, I imagine it must have been about 1993 well, I was watching it on like Live and Kicking and stuff. Yeah, so. I, I remember being about seven or eight, yeah. so I think it was probably about 93, 94. And I'd read a few X-Men comics in the past, but I wasn't like, a huge fan. And I remember my brother called me down from my bedroom and he might have even might have even woken me up I'm not sure and sort of went it's a Saturday morning and he sort of went X-Men's on you need to watch this right now you will love this you need to watch this and I did I remember I came down like oh leave me alone no. <laughs> <laughs> in my pyjamas sat, literally sat down cross-legged in front of the telly and it was the first episode uh, Night of the Sentinels part one and I just I got obsessed with it I was watching it like oh my god this is the best thing and I, like, I didn't blink for like 20 minutes and here we are 20 years later but what was it about it? It was just brilliant. So, I mean, we'll get into why it's so good, mm. but it's just, it's colourful, uh, it's proper dramatic in a way that it doesn't, it doesn't talk down to kids. It's yeah. not, it's not kiddie. And I know that's something that I think kids are less aware of than, than adults. We watch stuff that's for kids and we go, oh, it's kiddie. It's like, of course it's kiddie, it's for kids. <laughs> like, you're, like grown yeah. men watching Doctor Who and yeah. going, why, why are these uh, social issues in Doctor Who so, like, obvious and on the nose? It's like, because it's for kids. It's similar to what we were mentioning in the previous episode with those Lego Dimension games. Mm. Yeah, they're aimed at kids, but who plays them? Yeah. Nerdy adults. <laughs> they're probably thinking, oh, there's two kiddie. Well, yes. Yeah. It's Lego Dimensions. <laughs> it's not for you. No. You're allowed to play it. Yeah. Everyone can do what they want. Yeah. I always say that. I love, like, I'm a grown man. I love Doctor Who. I'm allowed to watch Doctor Who, but I can't complain about it being <laughs> too kiddie because it's meant for kids. <laughs> I got into it as a kid. Uh, I think the thing that people, even with people with a cursory knowledge of the X-Men animated series, one of the things they know is, of course, the awesome theme tune. Right, okay. Which yeah. I will... Are you familiar with this? I will be. You will be. Because I did watch it, but I, I can't remember it. Refresh your memory right now. Previously on X-Men.
excellent theme tune, and yeah. I think a, a great example of the uncelebrated art <laughs> of a good previously. You've got to do it properly. Previously, on X Men, great one. As um, the other two best ones, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Previously on AMC's The Walking Dead. Previously on AMC's The Walking Dead. And one of the originals and the best. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer for <laughs> Anthony Head. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Classic. I was like lost as well. It was because it was. I thought it was um, one of the writers, Carton Cuse. I thought right. it was him, but apparently it was some other guy. Which <laughs> someone? It was a previously on Lost. Sounds annoyed. Like is, annoyed. <laughs> it's something you remember, though. Yeah. A, decent, yeah. a good previously. Previously on Lost. You were saying as we were watching that, you like a couple of those characters you're not so familiar with because they weren't in the movies. No. Um. Well, Jubilee, I've never heard of. N- never heard of Jubilee. No. Jubilee can shoot like fireworks from her hands. Oh, that's nice. Um, and the X Men animated series, it kind of did the same thing which a lot of uh, X-Men adaptations do for whatever reason, where they have uh, a young girl uh, kind of come into the world of the X-Men. Because you had that in the film. That's in the film with Rogue. Rogue. And, and the first episode of Night of the Sentinels is about Jubilee kind of okay. taking that same role of it's a young girl and she's the eyes of the audience and she comes into the world of the X-Men. I, I've never... I know they're doing a Gambit film with... Uh... Channing Tatum. Perfectly cast as the Cajun Charmer. Uh, but I've never apparently he was in which film? He was in X-Men Origins Wolverine right. okay. which maybe that's another reason I haven't done my, my movie marathon yet is I don't want to watch that again <laughs> starring Will I Am. Um, <laughs> oh lord it's, it's a terrible movie but it has some redeeming features such as uh, Lee Schreiber as Sabretooth brilliant wow. and Taylor Kitsch as Gambit is fantastic and he's really well cast and really good just did a terrible movie and he's entirely wasted. But Will I Am wasn't dope. <laughs> Will I Am was. He's, given that he's Will I Am, I guess he's not terrible, but he's still. He's not a trained actor. I've done some pretty awful things. The kinds of things that haunt a man while he's sleeping. See, most people think our powers are a gift. But if it was up to me, I'd hunt the devil down myself. Giving this gift back. My name is John Wraith, and I'm a mutant. So, as I say, um, the the idea of a, a young girl coming into the world of the X Men was uh, kind of a recurring theme, um, and it was also used in uh, another cartoon because this wasn't the first attempt at making an X Men uh, cartoon. Oh. I think we discussed this in a, oh, in a previous episode. One. Yes. <laughs> there right, was, right. I'm all worried. <laughs> there was a pilot in 1989 called uh, Pride of the X Men, yeah. which is a punning title. On the character uh, Kitty, Pride, Kitty Pride, played by Ellen Page oh, really? in the X Men movies. Yeah, you know X Men. I thought you meant she was in the cartoon. <laughs> no, like, no. She's older than I thought she was. <laughs> no, the, um, yeah, I know. You mean, there's yeah, a diff- yeah. couple of few different actresses who play her in one and two when she's like a background character. The only bit I remember with her character was. The well, major... wait, oh, we'll, right. we'll get onto that. I know what you're going to say. We'll get onto it. <laughs> that character is known variously as Sprite, Ariel, and Shadowcat um, <laughs> at various points in her comic career. Uh, but here she's just Kitty Pride, and it follows her as she uh, joins the X Men. Uh, in their battle against Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And what I like about that is they refer to themselves as evil mutants. Which <laughs> I always, uh, are we the baddies? <laughs> I always like it when characters are like, we are the... We know we're the baddies. <laughs> we are the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> I, 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 always, I always enjoy that. It reminds me of... Um, do you remember, ever remember this TV show called Relic Hunter? Oh, God. <laughs> it was like... Oh, Lord. Really, I love you so much. It was like a really... Around the time of like Hercules Tia Carrera. Carrera. It was like a really crap, cheap knockoff of Tomb Raider. And I remember it was so bad, because it makes me think of the evil mutants. There was an episode where she goes back in time to conf- uh, into like ancient Rome. Right. And she goes like, who are you? And they go, we are the ancient Romans. <laughs> because, yeah, because you call yourself the ancient Romans, wouldn't you? Oh, Lord. <laughs> so it always reminds me of Relic Hunter. Always a pleasure. 
So Pride of the X-Men was actually made, uh, I found out, using uh, the budget for a 13th episode of Robocop the Animated Series. Really? So they were like, they made 12 episodes of Robocop, and then they were like, Gave up. Eh, let's, let's just make an X-Men cartoon with our, with our money, reallocate the funds. Um, and it didn't go to series. Didn't work, did it? <laughs> not, not because of any sort of quality issues, um, because it was because Marvel at the time were having financial issues, and they halted production on all their animation projects, Barring, thank goodness, Muppet Babies. Oh, Muppet okay. Babies survived the cull. And prior to the X-Men, you can watch it all if, if you so wish on YouTube. Um, I don't think it's illegal to say that because I don't think you can buy it officially yeah, anyway. It's anyway. So it's, it's all on YouTube in pretty good quality. Um, and it, it's a bit of a mixed bag because it is quite... Sim- having just criticised people for saying this, but it is quite simplistic and right. skewing. So fine for kids, but it doesn't really delve into some of the bigger issues that the X-Men comics get into, the more adult issues. And Wolverine, as we has, we discussed, is inexplicably Australian. Welcome her! Wait, she's not drawn in the X-Men, is she? She's just a kid! Apparently, it's because there's a the, one of the Ma- Magneto's henchmen is Pyro, right. who is Australian, and in the script, Wolverine calls him a dingo. Yeah. Except they, like the, 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 you know, the casting directors or whoever, misinterpreted that and thought Wolverine was calling him a dingo because he was Australian. Why did they make that leap? <laughs> So that's why Wolverine's oh, Australian. Right. And then, you know how these things sometimes feed back on each other? Marvel Comics then panicked and were like, oh, Wolverine's Canadian, but we'll say he, he's an, an expat well, from Australia. No, it, it didn't. But oh. like, they, they were like prepared to do that. But luckily, oh. because Pride of the right. X-Men didn't take uh. off, they were like... But you know how these, yeah. it's the same deal with, I think we talked about Super Lois and Clark, how yeah. the comics filtered back with Lois and Clark's wedding, um, the series filtered back into the comics. But Pride of the X-Men does have a few things... Uh, in its favour, actually has pretty uh, decent animation uh, for the 80s. Uh, it's pretty impressive visually. And it also has an amazing, uh, another amazing, couldn't be more 1980s <laughs> theme tune. Uh, this one has has lyrics. Uh, it's pretty spectacular. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant tale has now begun. That might be one of the best theme tunes of all time. Of all time. I think it's almost up there with Defenders of the Earth. Yeah, that See, I love the 90s X-Men theme. It's really cool, electric guitars. But, but it doesn't have any words. It doesn't have anyone going, uh, X-Men, X-Men. It's explaining the plot. It's all fist-pumping, uh, adrenaline-fueled theme tune. That's great. And another thing that uh, Pride of the X-Men has in its favour, do you remember when we were talking about um, the old Hulk cartoons from the 80s? Right. And they would uh, have... Stan Lee's bombastic <laughs> narration, Bruce Banner transforming into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Pride of the X Men was also oh, have Stan. also gifted with Stan's oh. incredible narrative work. I love you so much, Stan. Why didn't they bring him into the proper cartoon? <laughs> well, the nineties one. Yeah. I don't think it would have. Tonally, tonally, <laughs> would have really fit. fit. But oh. here, here is um, the final scene from the Pride of the X Men pilot, complete with Stan the Man. Yes, the X-Men have won, but only for now. Magneto is still out there, waiting, planning, plotting the destruction of the human race. But whatever the challenge, whatever the peril, the X-Men will be there. I hope he kind of lives forever in some sort of <laughs> Futurama situation. Stanley's never going to die. No. He's, he's, just a le- he's a legend. He can't, he's a god. He can't die. So um, that, di- that didn't go anywhere. 
Um, <laughs> the, F, the F-Men will always be there. They won't. <laughs> um, sorry, Stan. Yeah, sorry. So, take two. Um, actually, just a year later, which surprised me, I thought it was a much bigger gap because they look very different. But just a year later, uh, Margaret Loesch, apologies, L-O-E-S-C-H, apologies if I pronounce your name wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was working at Marvel Productions in the 80s and then and she had sort of been championing Pride of the X-Men, saying, come on, pick this up. She became the head of the Fox Kids Network uh, in 1990 and in 91, she then ordered 13 episodes of X-Men, as we know. So, okay, first of all, let's get this out of the way. The animation is not of the highest quality. Well, I was thinking, when you played me the, the intro, mm. like, compared to, like, you know, the ones we talked about before, like uh, G.I. Joe, or mm. it looked great. But that but that was some, that was in the 80s. That was in the early 80s. This is, a, this is like, 10 years but later. I, I could watch that now quite happily. It's not, it's not so much how it looks. It's more, there were a lot of errors. Right. And, and, you know, things being the wrong colour. I see. And that kind of thing. I mean, technically, the Pride of the X-Men animation is better. Weird. Like, it's, it's of a higher quality. Um, so the, the animation team behind X-Men, ACOM, um, not the convicts. Not, not Funcom. <laughs> not, not ACOM, um, ACOM. <laughs> they worked on everything from Transformers to your old favourite, The Land Before Time, um, to Batman the Animated Series, which has incredible animation, which yeah. like, still really holds up now. That'll probably be another feature episode. Yeah. Apparently they were turning episodes late at the last minute, like riddled with production errors, and they were like, oh, it's the last minute, we can't change it. So... It doesn't always look the best. Also, it was um, X Men was hampered by the censors so much so that you could you couldn't really uh, depict violence in any way. So characters uh, couldn't use realistic weapons. It was always laser guns. Ugh. Worst of all, the word dead or died banned. That's banned. What did they say? Because uh, <laughs> well, they thought it was too upsetting for children. So instead, you had these ridiculous scenes where uh, dead or died would be swapped out for destroyed. It'll be like, uh, what happened? He was destroyed. It's the same thing. Destroyed. But, and, um, he was annihilated. <laughs> they smashed it. So do you remember the, um, the, the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s? Right. It kicked off in uh, 1994, kind of in the wake of X-Men's success. And that had it even worse off. Because again, it had the same rules, like no blood, no bullets, which yeah. I guess is fair enough for kids. Also, no fire. No one was allowed to be uh, endangered by, by any sort of fire. No punching in Spider-Man. No punching? No punching. Oh, come on. Spider-Man, in, in however many episodes, he never punched anyone. He was, he'd was always just sort of re- wrestle and grapple with Even people. Even Camp Batman with Adam West. <laughs> Even Adam West punched people. He made a, a whole career out of punching people. Yeah. You know, wow, wow. kapow. Um, Spider-Man, t- like, he would kick people at, at most. The word sinister was banned. <laughs> Why? Uh, some, someone somewhere decided it was too like damaging for kids. So... There's a there's a, a villains team with Doctor Octopus and, and the Scorpion and all of Spider-Man's villains. They'll team up and make the Sinister Six. Not here. They were the Insidious Six. Uh. Um, and this last note, and I promise you, this is a well, I, this is apparently a hundred percent genuine. Uh, one edict from the censors was uh, when Spider-Man lands on a rooftop. Be sure that he doesn't harm any pigeons. They were very serious because, <laughs> not the pigeons. Because of course, notoriously in, in all other Spider-Man adaptations, Tobey Maguire is always flattening pigeons, murdering pigeons. Garfield, he can't move for for, for pigeon murder. <laughs> it's like, why is going through these people's minds? It, it, it makes me furious again. Nanny State, where again, you're obviously Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, Hero Turtles. Hero Turtles yeah. in the UK because yeah. the word ninja, ninja and the whole concept of ninjas was banned. Now, banning ninja stars through airports is one thing. Banning the word ninja. Very strange. Damaging to kids, apparently. Yeah. Nanny state. So X-Men, X-Men had its limitations. 
but for me it's very much like substance over style like, it didn't always look the best it had limitations but it, the heart of it was great first of all each character is like perfectly cast like I say Hugh Jackman he's been playing Wolverine now for 16 years but when I think of Wolverine I think of Cal Dodd yeah. who did first of all amazing name but who did the voice of uh, it's kind of like the voice of a thousand cigarettes sounds incredible thinking punk question is can I get Wolverine before he turns me into shish kebab with those claws bump bump Seeing as how these claws are adamantium, the strongest metal known, and can slice through vanadium steel like a hot knife through butter, buddy. You gotta ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Why did the films yeah. not do the whole yellow thing? What, why, why is Wolverine not wearing a yellow yeah. costume? Do you not remember in the first X-Men movie there's a, a little in-joke because a lot of fans asked the same question as you. They were like, why, why, why aren't they wearing yellow outfits? Like yeah, and so there's a bit where Wolverine's like, "They go outside in these things," and Cyclops is like, "What would you prefer, yellow spandex?" The answer isn't that. It would look fucking ridiculous. That's why they didn't. Yeah, do it. it would look ridiculous. Some costumes, Spider-Man, Captain America, can get away with Wolverine's bright fluorescent yellow outfit. Wouldn't on Hugh Jackman even would not look great. They must have like tried it and gone. Ah, we can't. <laughs> probably some early. There's probably some hilarious uh, yeah. like photographs out there somewhere of Hugh Jackman or maybe Dougray Scott who was originally cast. Poor guy. <laughs> trying on trying on some spandex. But here is a great clip of Cal Dodd as Wolverine facing off against his his arch nemesis Sabretooth. Wolverine never should have let me live. I wish he was here so I could take care of his carcass too. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, old buddy. It just might come true. Good thing I didn't go too far away to cool off, Sabretooth. This is between you and me. Let the girl go. Whatever you say, pal. So, you're doing the dirty work for Magneto now, eh? You used to backstab people for fun. What turned you into a rat for hire? I'd heard you'd gone soft. I was curious. I think maybe I heard right. All right, you egg-sucking piece of gutter trash. You always liked pushing around people smaller than you. While well, I'm smaller, try pushing me! There's <laughs> a lot of tension between those two guys. Um, but <laughs> and I think it's almost come on bro <laughs> almost the back of my tomorrow bro. <laughs> I think a lot of the performances in the X-Men animated series though they kind of shaped later interpretations and casting so well, that guy's nothing like Hugh Jackman he's nothing like Hugh Jackman granted but uh, George Buzzer I believe it's pronounced who uh, played Beast he got a very kind of uh, Kelsey Grammer kind of quality <laughs> and then uh, Cedric Smith who does the voice of uh, Professor Xavier, right. Professor X. He's, he's got a very kind of, sort of vaguely Patrick Stewart sort of voice going on. Where you think, oh, okay, I can see again why they... I was like Kenneth Williams. <laughs> well, no, if, if, I, if I was doing Patrick, <laughs> I would be more like this. But the guy in X-Men, the animated series, he's Ooh, more like <laughs> Kenneth Williams meets, <laughs> meets Patrick Stewart, perhaps. <laughs> now I'm turning into Peter Laurie. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I liked X-Men because... Yeah. The cast were great, but also it wasn't just a uh, you know dark and murky like Man of Steel. Yeah! <laughs> but it was it was you know it was a lot of colourful fun, 
but and this is what I think the main thing I think it doesn't get enough credit for because a lot of people remember oh, it was a great kids cartoon it overcame uh, the limitations of the censors the censors have put on it to still tackle some quite kind of adult uh, themes as the comics have done things like you know racism prejudice and isolation and using mutants as like an analogy for uh, you know race and sexuality and all, all those kinds of things so in the second ever episode uh, one of the X-Men Morph uh, Morph? Morph <laughs> not, not the little Morph? not the little claymation oh, okay. he can he can shift you know shapeshift like Mystique yeah. uh, Mystique the, the most important Morph character Morph could do that as well Morph could do that he could shapeshift like Mystique who's now of course the most uh, important character in the whole X-Men yeah, universe yeah, yeah. Uh, just because uh, Jennifer Lawrence is, is, is playing the characters no it's just and Mystique's always been a huge oh, huge character uh, I mean she didn't have a line in the first couple of films <laughs> but uh, let's make her the main character now yeah yeah, yeah. So anyway, more more who could shape change. Uh, he he was he was killed off though. They killed him in the oh. second of her episode, or destroyed technically. Um, <laughs> but they, they decided they decided they want to set a more adult tone. So they said, "Well, we'll, we'll kill off one of the X Men straight, okay. straight off the bat." So here is his final scene. Not morph. <laughs> After you, me. Come on, move it. We're missing dinner. Didn't I tell you? Clear sailing all the way. Hey, Ten Woodsman. I'm sending you back to Oz in pieces. Wolverine, pull back! What's wrong, Gene? It's more. Can't you feel it? Morph, I don't sense anything. Yeah, that was dark. Dark, can we get that in gummy bears? Now, that video on YouTube, that clip I made, <laughs> is called Death of Morph, the crappiest X-Man. And I, <laughs> Morph was a character who, for the, for the most part, and geeks might pick me up on this, but he's not really a sort of version of the character as in the comics in the 60s, but basically Morph is an original creation. Right. Um, who they created specifically for the purpose of killing him. Yeah, yeah. And But I liked Morph in the first episode, and I had no idea he was going to die. He had a great laugh, he sort of went... <laughs> great character <laughs> so I loved Morph and I was really gutted when he died so it did it did what they set it to do it set, it set the tone and that tone kind of carries X-Men uh, throughout and for me the whole show as a whole has two highlights one is in season three which is uh, the five part Phoenix saga five parts five parts but it was great at the time because like five weeks when you're a kid it's forever <laughs> it went on forever but in a great way um, in, in that Jean Grey is possessed by the spirit of an alien intelligence, the Phoenix Force, uh, leading the X-Men to be caught up in an intergalactic war. And this was like the show, like three seasons in, you know, lots of shows like Take a Little While to Go, and it was at its absolute kind of peak, at its height, because it's like excitement and action, there's even a little Spider-Man cameo in there, wow. a silent cameo. That was the most exciting thing as a kid. They cut, so what happened? Well, basically there's a scene where uh, something's happening in outer space, and it's affecting the Earth, and they cut to all these different um, bits of the Earth. So you go to Africa and you see Black Panther, and then yeah. there's a bit where they cut to New York, and you just see Spider-Man land and his hand come out and shoot a web. And that was before the Spider-Man cartoon. At the time I was like, oh my god! Oh my god. Like, kids are spoiled now, where it's like, oh yeah, and like the Avengers movies and this kind of thing. It's like, as a kid, Spider-Man's little hand was, was thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Phoenix Saga is fantastic. And it ends with uh, Jean's temporary uh, but tear-jerking exit uh, from the show. What does it mean, Professor? The X-Men have succeeded. The power of the crystal has been contained. But at what cost? 
The crystal is sealed, but the only way to guarantee that its power will never be released again is for me to take it beyond the reach of any living being. The crystal cannot be destroyed, even in the heart of the sun, but there it and I will be safe. For this I am sorry, Cyclops. Goodbye, my love. Crystal shall be buried forever. upsetting but i like the fact that gene gray who is like in love with scott summers cyclops yeah. they're in a relationship but she goes i'm so sorry cyclops yeah. and there's a previous scene where um early on where he proposes to her he's like will you marry me she goes oh, cyclops <laughs> you want to call him his code name. Call him his name call him his name call him scott but anyway that was uh, the show just absolutely firing on all cylinders but my favorite episode and what i think is the show that's most kind of intelligent and emotional uh, is in season two, it's called uh, Beauty and the Beast, right. in, in which Beast um, falls in love with Carly, who's a blind woman, but their relationship is targeted by like, an anti-mutant gang, basically, basically racists, and Wolverine goes undercover to infiltrate the gang, and that's great. And, it, it, you know, still for kids, fine, but it does deal, as I said, with kind of issues of um, racism and prejudice and kind of interracial romance, really, and uh, Carly's dad sort of opposes the relationship. He's like, no, I don't want my daughter with someone like that. So let's have a little scene of Carly's dad being an absolute dick. After what happened yesterday, the hospital board told me that you... They're worried about the patients and... And having a mutant around will make matters worse. Alec, isn't our work more important than catering to those bigots? There's another problem. My daughter means everything to me. I agreed to this experiment, but I will not allow some filthy mutant to touch my daughter. Carly's father? Yes. I want to do what's best for Carly. I'll leave. I'm sorry, Hank. I know, Alec. I just want to say goodbye. So in the end of the episode, I know, and Beast has a bit of an emotional breakdown. It's really dramatic. Uh, Carly is kidnapped by this uh, anti-mutant gang, the Friends of Humanity. Um, sort of like Friends. a <laughs> sort of like a UKIP uh, for, for for mutant kind and then Beast saves her and then he earns the dad's respect and he, you know the dad's eyes are opened so does he stay with Carly for well no of course not because uh, even though the dad now likes him he's like well she got captured my life's too dangerous so we can we can never be together and they have a again quite a touching uh, breakup scene which closes the episode on a, on a bittersweet note now that you see what my life is like I hope you will understand what I have to tell you. Hank, please don't. We have to face it. I am a mutant in a world that fears and despises my kind. I thought for a moment we could live in that world together, but I know now that we cannot. Someday, with work and hope, the world will change. Until then, if you care for me as much as I care for you, you will understand why we must part. I'm so glad you're all right. I will be. As for you, how can I ever thank you, Dr. McCoy? This is a beginning.
very special episode of X Men. <laughs> I like how that scene tries to play with expectations where the dad rolls up and he goes, As for you, how can I ever thank you? <laughs> His tone just completely changes. But, you know, that's pretty deep that stuff was, for kids. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, Even pretty... though he was wearing little pants. So. <laughs> sort of ruined by the fact that Beast is clad in his little pants. Can't he goes to like those big man shops and gets some nice Sometimes suits. he does. Sometimes it's great. He wears like a, like a giant Mac and a hat and some glasses. <laughs> just to disguise himself. But as I said earlier, it's why I love this show. Because it's, it's made for kids, but it doesn't talk down to kids. Which is brilliant. That's uh, why I loved it as a kid. That's why I still love it now. I did read this out. Um, during the Christmas episode but it's kind of relevant here again so I'll read it out where I um, I wrote a, a feature about the X-Men uh, animated series and how much I enjoyed it and it was stumbled upon by one of the showrunners Eric, Eric Leewald uh, who ran the show with Mark Edens and again I apologise for <laughs> potential mispronunciation but and Sidney I- Iwanter yeah I, I feel like I should read this out again in its proper context because it deals with a lot of stuff we've been talking about where he says although time and money were tight and while there were pressures to make it a very different younger, simpler show, Mark and Sydney and I and others uh, fought hard to make it the series that it became. It's gratifying to all of us that people still appreciate our efforts. Very nice. I think it's really, it's kind of exactly what I said, where they're kind of, yeah, they were hampered by the animation studio and the censors, but they made the be- absolute best show they could for kids. So was he just searching for X-Men on <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe he was just uh, Googling his own name. <laughs> Eric. Eric, if you're listening, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for my childhood. Um, though, I, 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 I think sort of proof proof in, in the pudding or whatever is, is uh, the impact that uh, that this particular version of X-Men has continued to have on you know, other adaptations future adaptations but also just on popular culture now <laughs> my favourite now I'm sure you remember 10 years old now the can't uh, believe that the viral spoof yeah I'm the juggernaut bitch yeah. in which uh <laughs> My Way Entertainment, uh, they got some clips from The Phoenix Saga, which I mentioned. There's an episode of The Phoenix Saga, and sort of hard to describe really, but dubbed over scenes of Juggernaut become black exploitation yeah. uh, dialogue. We need to have a little burst of it. Yeah. Just to remind ourselves, 10 years old now, this. Yeah, it's the Juggernaut, bitch! Yeah, Charles, I'll beat the shit out of you. Get off me, bitch. Who the fuck are you? Uh, the fuck is wrong with you? I'm not dressing up, bitch. Yeah, she's in a motherfucker. I'm gonna whoop your ass. Silly bitch. Your weapons cannot harm me. Don't you know who the fuck I am? I'm the juggernaut. Hey. Oh, yes, motherfucker. I'm gonna forget. Your mama doesn't do Shut the fuck up, Charles. I'm gonna beat your ass. Too fast, sweetheart. You better run, Charles. Get that shit out of my face, bitch. Don't you know who the fuck I am? Oh, she's fucking with my helmet. I got this shit in fourth grade. Oh, no! My face. Pimp smack your ass, bitch. I don't know why that's so funny. It's so immature and so juvenile, but it is very funny. And, of course, that later, um, a year, only a year later, 2006, so it became very big very quickly, uh, filtered through to the mainstream when it was uh, replicated in a dreadful scene uh, in quite a dreadful movie X-Men 3 X-Men The Last Stand uh, in which Vinnie Jones gave that that line a a cockney twist (laughs) so the spoof came full circle and and became the canon don't you know who I am I'm the juggernaut bitch why it's annoyed me because for years I thought well done Vinnie a, you've landed a really cool role there. Mm. B, you've buffed up. You've mm. done really well for yourself. And then I've realised in recent years, A, he got it because it was his mate directing. Yeah. Well, Matthew Vaughan, the original director, yeah. was the one who hired him. Yeah. Brett Ratner took over before yeah. Vaughan hired him. And then it's a bodysuit. 
So he's not even that ripped. Just or... get the rock in. Yeah. Get the rock in. Because we know that Vinny... I love Vinny in his own way because, you know, he's a cult hero of mine mm. and, you know, he's done some, you know... Miscast. But... I think it's fair to say. Sad. Just, uh, you know, as, as, as late as this past year, X-Men, the animated series in particular, has continued to uh, have an impact because... Uh, Marvel have commissioned a new comic series called X-Men 92, mm. um, which is ba- a comic series, but based in the yeah, continuity yeah. of the cartoon, nice. which is very cool. I, m- I might actually start reading it, because comics now are impossible to read. Yeah. I tried I tried a few years, I used to read comics as a kid, I tried a few years back, there was a, there was a very cool comic shop in Brighton where I used to live. I like the idea of going to a comic shop and buying yeah. a comic every week, and they had just relaunched Uncanny X-Men, yeah. so I thought, perfect, Uncanny X-Men number one, I picked it up, and I read a couple of issues, and it was like... The story in issue two, it was like, continues in X-Force. What? So it was like, so you have to buy X-Force to get the next Why? chapter of the story. And then it's like, continues in Spider-Man. So you can't just, they do it so you can't just buy one comic. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, which, so, I just, so I just gave up because if uh, you, I did try and just read it, but stories would just like be, you'd have like chapter one of one story and then the final chapter in the next issue and then chapter three of another story which started in the Avengers. It's like, I can't, know uh, That, if it keeps to one yeah. continuity, maybe, maybe I'll give X-Men 92 a shot. But I think it's interesting as well how X-Men is always kind of the leader of the pack. So with the cartoon, uh, this was a big hit. And as I said, you had Spider-Man following 94. You then had Fantastic Four and the Hulk and Iron Man and all these Marvel 90s cartoons. Same with the, the movies. The, even though it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have the success of X-Men led to Spider-Man and Iron Man and the Avengers and all these movies. So... There you go. <laughs> I mean, what, well said. What, what, what are your kind of, I just, normally this at the beginning, but what are your kind of experiences with X-Men? Um, yeah, well, I watched it, I wasn't like an avid viewer, mm. I'd watch it because it was on, because mm. it was on, I'm sure it was Lion Kicking or one of those uh, It was, it was, it was, I think it's again, like a bit like, it was on of its own accord, but also um, as part of Live and Kicking, yeah, and, so I, and they would alternate it with Spider-Man, yeah. so either Spider-Man or X-Men. Because I admit, unlike you, I didn't have any, like, contact with, Superhero things at all as right. a kid, it just didn't come into my. World. Didn't read comics. No, no comics. And X Men was probably the only thing. Interesting. So I you watched. never watched Spider Man or Batman? No, totally wow. passed me by. I didn't. Either they didn't. Either was wasn't aware of it, or they just weren't on the sort of shows I was watching or the time. I don't Spider-Man know. Spider Man literally alternated with X Men on. Does it? Live and kicking. Yeah, it was like during the autumn we'll have X Men and during the summer we'll have Spider Man. Remember at all? Maybe we just. Tuned off. Yeah, you just tuned out, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. our future Spider-Man yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode and our future... But I did enjoy it. Yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah. Um, what about the movies? Yeah. Uh, well, I've actually I've actually enjoyed it more in the, in the new... Um, You've seen more than I have, technically. I have. Uh, I actually prefer them, if I'm honest, as a whole, to the Marvel films. What are we talking about? Because I like the Marvel films, but there's too many of them, and some of them are duffers. Yeah, but some of the X-Men films are Yeah, but it's got Vinnie Jones in it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's, that sums it up. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to uh, track down the X-Men yeah. animated series, good luck. Because, um, really? well, it, I, I think you can get it on DVD and that kind of thing. It used to all be on Netflix, which was amazing. And it's like perfect hangar reviewing like, episodes yeah. on an episode of X-Men. They took it all off why? Netflix. I, I, don't, I never understand this. It's rights issues. You only they only license it for a certain but amount of time. Why can't they just update the license? Oh, no, that's for money or something. But no, you can't put a price on X Men. Mm. Priceless. It's incredible. <laughs> um, but if you if you're a comic book fan or even if you're not just a fan of good storytelling, yeah. then I, then I recommend you uh, you or maybe you've seen the movies like Tom, but you've never particularly watched the show. I recommend you you check this show out if you can. Uh, in my opinion, it's one of the very best. Not even animated, just one of the best adaptations of of comic books. Ever made. Strong words. Strong words. <laughs> Strong note to end on, Tom.
Well, that is me done for this episode. But Tom, what are we doing next time? Um, well, next time, uh, it's not Christmas anymore. No. But we both love the Die Hard films. Well, franchise. Most of them. <laughs> most of them. Now, we've, we'll delve into this, but mm. we've had a massive debate over the years of what is the order of the Die Hard films and all this. In terms of ranking. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's not really going to be one of us taking the lead. We're both just going to chat. More of a collaborative yeah, effort. About just how good and bad the Die Hard series is. Yeah. And, and where we'd like it to go and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a deep and nerdy delve into the yeah. Die Hard franchise. Yeah, you'd be Coming up next week. Uh, but this next week, it's not going to be a week. It's not going to be a week. I always say we'll next try week. Best, but yeah. it's, it'll take a while. And also, as ever, please, uh, if you haven't got the all the episodes, you can go to our website, which is twogeeks2beers.wordpress.com. Yes, we have a very decent backlog by now, I'd yeah. say. Loads of episodes for you it, to, to delve into. No longer looks like we started and gave up. No, we've got a good, we've got a proper back catalogue. Yeah. Episodes about uh, Terror Hawks and Jerry Anderson, Tremors, Tremors Nightmare, the Loads Prisoner, Doctor Who stuff, Doctor Who, Defense of the Earth, Thundercats. Yeah, anything your geeky heart could wish for. Yeah. So please do check out our and episodes. Subscribe on iTunes. Yes, and uh, head over to our Twitter, which is at Two Geeks Cast. Also on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna leave you this time uh, with. Not the X-Men main opening theme. This is the end credits theme, uh, but only for the first season. After the first season, they ditched it and they just played the opening theme over the end credits because they thought it was awesome. But I think this original uh, end credits music is sort of terrible, but also kind of brilliant and, and underrated, and I love it. Yeah.